2025. Elise brushes past the politician outside Simei Station. He's handing out flyers, and a small crowd has formed around him. In her hurry, Elise notices she hasn't caught the color of his uniform. Is it a mixture of red and white? Or all white? Or pastel blue? Or green? Not green. If it had been one of the green, she'd definitely have stopped to take a flyer. Maybe even a selfie. As she waves her wristwatch over the gantry and enters the steaming hot station, she realizes she doesn't know if the greens are even contesting in Simei. She purses her lips a little sadly. They're made up of young university professors with socialist ideas, and she thinks their angry Instagram stories about climate change are pretty cool. She'd have liked to cast her first ever vote their way in this hottest August in recent memory. No, she thinks, as she gets on the escalator up. It must have been one of the others. It seems pretty significant that there's more parties this year than last time. But all their ideas and personalities, so many men, have blurred for Elise into a haze of unattractive, geriatric faces. More precisely, they've long sunk underneath the other things jockeying for her attention on the internet. There is, after all, still that exhausting, ongoing, weeks-long Twitter scandal about the American food tuber who's being me-tooed by a bunch of his interns. Then there's the horrific new climate emergency report from Stockholm that's getting everyone super-vexed. Some ice shelf somewhere, cracking, another Indonesian island underwater. Amidst all that, the best this election has had to offer the internet so far is that middle-aged Chinese politician making very sad election TikToks. In one of the videos, which he released on National Day, he dances and sings Home in the four languages. He's been getting flack on Twitter for mangling the Malay and reluctant props for getting the Tamil kind of spot on, Though, overall, everyone seems to think the dancing is pretty cringe. I need to take a mental health break from all of this election stunting. Gemma Wee, some influencer, said in an Instagram story last night as Elise lay doom-scrolling in bed. It's too damn much. Make it stop. Then the story cut to black, and Elise saw her own exhausted face reflected in the screen. She found herself agreeing. It's too damn much. Make it stop. Before falling asleep, 
The platform is heaving with people, and the air here feels waterlogged with everyone's sweat. She gets in line, and almost immediately, an auntie elbows her way past Elise and jostles towards the front. Oh my God! Elise regrets it instantly. The woman turns to look and mutters, Sorry, excuse me! But her face looks like she's been scammed of an apology. The auntie is perspiring freely into her yellow blouse, staining it brown. She's fanning herself with one of the politician's flyers, and her fingers have crumpled up his face. Elise catches a glimpse of the copy. For a better Singapore, vote for... She squints to see if she can make out the rest, then gives up. She doesn't care which party he's from anymore. What would she have done with the information anyway? Upload a story, probably, saying, Lols, or so-and-so at Simei. All Elise wants now is to get away from the auntie, whose menacing aura Elise can feel radiating towards her, even from a few people away. Elise sees the train wind towards the station. The auntie elbows her way even farther, past a young office guy, straight to the front of the line. The auntie catches Elise watching. In retaliation, she looks Elise square in the face. Her gaze lingers on Elise's nose, and Elise knows she's looking at her septum piercing. Then her eyes move down to the black halter top she's wearing, then back up to her nose. Elise adjusts her top self-consciously, but doesn't look away. She feels her jaw tighten. The auntie looks her straight in the eyes for a couple of seconds and seems to want to say something. But then the train pulls into the station, and she turns away and fixates on unsticking her blouse from the wet of her back instead. Elise is familiar with this ritual, and knows somewhere in the pit of her body that no election can change the oppression she's feeling this morning. Judgy older women, and interminable heat. She feels a pin drop of anxiety about the unchanging, sweaty face of this city. Flap, flap, flap. The auntie, blouse still plastered to her back, waves the crumpled flyer. Elise can make out the guy's face now, sort of. Forty-ish Chinese, obviously, with glasses and a receding hairline. For a better Singapore, vote... Elise wants to snatch the flyer, which by now has gotten almost soggy from the woman's unholy wetness, and stamp it on the ground. It's not anger, but the same involuntary tick as swiping past some muttering, mediocre bit of content. Elise feels a twinge of guilt. Years ago, Mrs. Hong, who taught civics at her JC, cried in class, saying it broke her heart how blasé this generation was about politics. Elise spoke up. Mrs. Hong, it's not that we don't care, it's that they're not talking about the things we care about. But you've got to be the change. Mrs. Hong's voice started to weaken mid-sentence, cringing at the incoming cliché. You want to see in the world... Now that the vote has come to her generation, Elise isn't so sure they have the right to be so done with the whole thing. But this circus of old men is genuinely unimpressive. And everyone knows the Greens, who are all the youngs want to talk about, have no hope of being elected. One of their members, a probably queer woman, has a septum piercing. 
Elise, whose own piercing has gotten itchy from the auntie's scrutiny, knows that this sort of thing is a deal-breaker for most people in this city. She thinks about that article making its rounds on Facebook, the one about the punk history of septum piercings. Do we really want punks in Parliament? Elise thinks, actually, she should have known better about the probably queer woman politician. She's also got short purple hair. I mean, what did she... Then remembers the auntie's judging eyes and bristles with irritation at herself. The train doors open and the crowd presses in, grateful for the aircon, though it barely registers on Elisa's skin, which is reddening from the sun. She stands crammed in with everyone else. There's a bunch of stinking schoolboys next to her, talking about Pokemon in their cracked donkey voices. white guy in a damp blue office shirt is staring catatonically into the distance. His armpits smell faintly of stale red wine. Elise feels a wetness on her elbow and realizes she's pressed against the auntie, who she last spotted charging in as the doors opened. The auntie has not found a seat because there are too many, much older people in the carriage. So she clucks about and fiddles angrily with her blouse. Elise looks away to focus on the breathing exercises her therapist recommended for her anxiety attacks. She feels a small one coming on. start to close, cutting off the hot air. Then they open abruptly again. Elise turns to look. An office lady has gotten a handbag stuck in the doors. It looks expensive, and everyone winces as she yanks it back towards her. An office guy back on the platform takes advantage of the opening and squeezes in. But there's no space, so the doors close in on his backpack. The doors open again. There's a groan from the crowd, and then the grotesque industrial chomping of door on backpack. starts to feel it. It spreads like a toxic sludge. From her stomach, through the blood. Out to the extremities of her body. Her breathing shortens. The first time she had one of these attacks was also on a train. She was a small child, 
and as the train doors closed, she saw that her mum was still on the platform, screaming and practically green with panic. The last really bad one was two years ago, in uni, after the thing with the condom and her ex-boyfriend, Stephen. It was over dinner at a cocktail bar. Stephen had refused to let her drink anything, and almost managed to talk her into keeping the baby. Babe, I was thinking we should get married anyway. The feeling is of the floor falling from under her feet to swallow her whole in cement. Like a fly she'd once seen, dissolving inside a Venus flytrap at Ikea. Now, in the cramped wetness of the train, she finds the memory nauseatingly close. She stops breathing. She's disassociating. Ask the questions. Where am I? A train. Where am I going? To town. To get away from mother. To find a cafe somewhere. To send some emails. To be publicly between jobs. Maybe the auntie was right to look at her with so much contempt. What's the worth of a septum piercing and a halter top in this country? As the panic starts to overtake her, she feels a stem in her brain start to snap like a party glow stick. Added image floats to the top of her mind of one of the fly's legs breaking away from its body. She clings on to the sticky pole to steady herself. Every pore on her skin is now open and pouring out something cold and horrible. It's mingling with the white man's red wine armpits, the teenage boy's sticky, spermy deodorant, the auntie's cabbage sourness. Shit, I probably stink too. Then she catches her reflection in the window and cringes at how her hair is matting to the forehead. Her heart is racing. She sees her twisted body and panicked face amid the fresco of sweating, suffering people on the train, all swallowed up like so much fodder in the belly of a masticating monster. Chomp, 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 chomp. <laughs> Can you faster get out? Don't waste everybody's time! Is the auntie yelling at the backpack guy. The outburst sends a dart of fear into Elisa's stomach. The guy shouts, sorry, and steps sheepishly out of the train. Then the door slams shut. Satisfied. And the train gives a whine of pleasure and lurches forward towards town. A tiny whir of cold air starts to circulate, and Elise feels herself slowly relax. She takes a deep breath through the nose, and ends up inhaling the full rock four bouquet of the white man's armpits. She switches to the mouth. You're fine. You're okay. One of the teenagers has started a lecture about which Pokémon can and cannot use Psychic, but he keeps saying Physic. The white man, who is trying not to listen, looks like he might hang himself on the bars. 
The auntie, meanwhile, is swiveling her Xing plastic bag of apples rhythmically into the face of a young office guy who's pretending to sleep in his seat. Elise takes a few more deep, acrid breaths to calm herself down. She plugs in her earpods and puts on a looping white noise track on Spotify, just as she's settling into a blank and mindful state. Elise notices a ripple of activity moving through the crowd in the train. She looks up from her shoes and sees people with their phones out, snapping photos of something behind her. Through the white haze of static in her ears, she hears a man say, everyone on your commute today. Elise turns and sees a man with a receding hairline making his way into the carriage. He's just behind two very grim-looking bodyguard types who are slicing through the crowd with their jawlines. She thinks she recognizes the man from TV or Facebook, and it clicks in place that this was the man at Simei. Which is odd, because his arrival in the carriage has had the effect of some kind of celebrity benediction, and he now seems altogether too important to have been standing around in the sun, doing something as banal as giving out flyers. important man is making his way through the carriage, stopping to shake hands with some happy-looking old people in the reserved seats, as a woman in a blazer takes photos with a DSLR. The crowd around Elise is whispering the man's name, which she can't catch, and there's a forty-something office guy in a corner whose face has broke into a crazy-eyed grin, waiting for his turn to receive the important man. All Elise can think about is how tanned the important man is. She wonders if he's feeling the heat as well. She searches his face and clothing for signs of perspiration, but can't find even a streak of it. Not a patch or a trickle, though she sees rings of crystallized salt all over the fronts of the bodyguard's grey shirts and the photographer lady's blazer. She notices an entourage of people behind the important man. She guesses they're an entourage because they're all the same sort of office-looking types, wearing lanyards and handing out flyers and taking photos of the handshaking with their phones. He's about five people away from Elise now, and she realizes even up close there are no signs of sweat on his body, even though the air in the carriage feels three times more deoxygenated now because of the entourage, who appear to be keeping a respectful distance so the important man can stay in shot. The important man has now finished shaking hands and taking selfies with the crazy-eyed office guy, 
and like an equestrian horse, he comes to a gentle halt in the middle of the carriage. Then he grabs onto a handrail and just stands there. It's so deliberate and momentous that the carriage falls into an expectant hush, waiting for the important man to say something important. But he just stands there for several silent seconds, smiles contently, and nods his head. It's then that Elise notices two shiny Bluetooth earbuds in the important man's ears. She sees, up close, that his lips are mouthing along to a song. The crowd watches on, rapt. Several cringing moments elapse, and a terrifying realization swirls into Elise's mind. He's really just standing here taking the train. The surreality of this unsweating man trying to look like an ordinary person casts a sickening spotlight on the world around her. It's suddenly like she's looking at a social studies diorama, a day in the life, an MRT scene, where everyone's a little plasticine figurine standing around in an ice cream stick and construction paper model train. Except with the pool of sweat at her tailbone, with the dampness in her armpits, with the foul, mediocre smell of the carriage in her nose, Elise realizes that she's in the scene, not out of it. One of the little plasticine model people fixed hopelessly in place. And it's he, the important man, with his earbuds and fake commuter vibes, who's standing above it all, looking down at her and everyone else with an anthropological curiosity. And somehow, impossibly, miraculously, perversely, he's managing not to sweat, as if he inhabits some totally alien atmosphere as it starts to feel like her windpipe is jammed with a lump of modeling clay, Elise realizes it's probably true that he does, in fact, breathe some different, rarefied air. Because why else would you need to make such a show of being just another sad person on the train? And it clarifies, too, more painfully, that even with the sun exploding outside and the world baking itself to a crisp and catastrophe announcing itself in everyone's wet armpits, that it is this unsweating man and not the woman from the Green Party who will have the power to hold sway over a train full of people. And between this important man pretending to take the train and the woman from the Green Party having to answer for her septum piercing, there exists a sudden, nauseating commonality. Both these absurdities exist on the same continuum of trying to please the same sweaty, unchanging people in this sweaty, unchanging country. really starts to feel it. 
the thick haze of other Singaporeans pressing in around her. And it's with this last thought that Elise realizes that there is no air passing through her nose, and she feels her body stiffen like clay baking in the sun. She falls through the hole in the ground into a pool of cement. It's too damn much. Make it stop. Make it stop. Make it stop. It's dark and deep and cool here, stony and quiet. It's too damn much, make it stop. What did you say? It's too damn much, make it stop. Elise almost regrets being roused out of this brief edifice of sleep by the slapping of a hand on her cheek. Her eyes smash open and a thick stream of wet air enters her lungs. She finds she's on the floor, staring up at the shadowy face of a man backlit by fluorescent lights. It's the imported man who's holding her up in his arms like a stone pieta. Elise gulps more watery air and realizes it's actually water from a bottle. You're okay, you're okay, he says to her, and almost as quickly turns back to the rest of the train and yells, She's okay, she's okay. Elise hears the DSLR snap, and then he turns his face back to her. Why, you really scared us, miss. No, no, don't get up. Sit down first. Sir, why don't we put on a seat? Good idea. Come, let's. Elise gets up on her feet and sees that the important man has turned to the auntie who's nearest to them and has finally found a seat. Something about his expectant manner seems to be instructing the auntie to take over the care of this fallen girl, so that he might stand about and nail some money shots for his entourage, who, now that the moment of crisis is over, are rounding in with a ravenous intensity. But the auntie is unmoved, and so the important man starts to speak. Auntie, don't mind, huh? Maybe you can look after. The auntie, clutching her bag of apples close to her chest, has her eyes open so wide they could be shooting invisible lasers at the important man. As Elise spills into the seat next to her, the auntie shakes her head sharply. I'm getting off soon. Aye, auntie. The important man gives her a big grin and says something jocular in Hokkien, something about busy, eventful days and there being no rest for the wicked. The auntie's eyes widen even more. I don't speak Hokkien. Oh, okay. His smile wanes slightly, and he turns away from the auntie to avoid something unpleasant. But the auntie has risen to her feet now, 
and Elise notices her blouse has turned fully brown from sweat. Something about the auntie feels feral and chicken-like, and Elise admits, majestic. Her face, eyes wide and mouth twitching, is full of the something unpleasant the important man is trying to avoid. But it's clear his presence here has stirred up a very precise unpleasantness in this woman. And it's clear to him that this unpleasantness is now tragically inevitable and logical and coming for him with a terrifying vengeance. He diverts his eyes, hoping to get out in time. But she has found an opening and will not let him go. I tell you ah, boy, you know today's so hot and summer morning this kind of timing the train always so crowded then you still choose to come do this kind of thing then still can bring so many people take photo la, do this kind of wayang you cannot say everybody very sian, very hot meh you know paise, I paise for you leh you think what? Take train very nice ah? Take train very fun, is it? You think every day I take train go Sime to Bugay, sweat like crazy, very fun, is it? You think if I have car, I will take train, man? Don't tell me you don't drive big car. Auntie, I must meet the people, ma. This is our election time walkabout. You got think whether people want to meet you or not? Che. Meet, meet, meet until this girl faint ah. Good for you only lah. Can take photo, look like hero. You got think maybe she see you then faint or not? You got think maybe the train too crowded, too hot, Singapore too many people. That's why she faint or not? Nowadays I sit train, I also want to faint ah. You got see my shirt how wet or not? Yeah, it's very hot ah. Maybe one thing you can do is ask how come the train nowadays so hot? Last time not like that one, you know? Is it they're trying to save aircon? You want my feedback? This is my feedback. Okay, yes, very good. He turns to his entourage and motions with his hand for them to take notes. There's a flurry of tapping on phones. Thank you, Auntie. The train starts to pull towards the next stop, and, sensing an exit, the important man turns to Elise. She is now being tended to by a woman of the entourage, the plastic card on her lanyard hitting Elise's face as she fans her with a flyer. The important man summons the woman away as the visitation has clearly turned sour. Miss, you please take care. Do you need us to take you to a doctor? No, thank you. I just need to get to City Hall and I'll be fine. Okay, good. Thank you. I like your... He gestures towards his nose. That. He smiles a little more tightly than earlier. Maybe I can count on your vote? He seems to be joking. 
but Elise reads something depressingly cocksure in his face. No. Oh. The train arrives at the station, and the important man moves out of Elise's orbit. Or rather, she falls out of his. Elise sees through the window another horde of people waiting to get in. The important man, flanked by his bodyguards and his entourage, waves at the people inside the train and then looks down, as if preparing a face to meet the ones outside. He finds one, big and smiling, and fancy seeing you here. open, the surprise crowd outside parts for him to leave, and he nods and waves as he does. Elise sees the procession head onto the platform and then disappear down the escalator. press in than exit the train, and Elise feels the carriage grow heavier with their heat and chatter about the divine sighting. The auntie next to her turns to Elise. Her mouth twitches. Now that they've both been made inadvertent co-stars of a public scene, Elise feels a weird sort of bond hum between them. The auntie shakes her head and sighs loudly. This kind vote also no use. You voting for who? Elise smiles weakly and can't decide whether to encourage this line of conversation. Auntie think better vote for the green colour one. Now they so hot. The surprise of this sends a gentle but pleasant fizziness into Elise's gut. Yeah, better vote the green colour one. The auntie nods, satisfied, and turns away. Elise looks at this woman, whose face is alert with everyday panic, and feels a sudden love for her. This auntie, who wants to not be hot, who just wants to sit down, and who wants to get from Sime to Bugis in peace. Elise slips on her earpods to drown in white noise, and soon the two women settle into the same anonymous silence as before. Though now it is not ordinary malice, but a kind of weary, shared suffering that hovers between them. Their bare legs touch each other gently, and there, in this meeting of their bodies, Elise sees two beads of sweat begin to pool. <laughs> <laughs> 